Episode 117 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. Little more meat on the bone this week. Last couple of weeks, not going to lie to you guys. And I've said this over the last couple of shows. Not as much to talk about of late. Just be, I don't know. It goes ebbs and flows at times during the NBA offseason. We talked about this on previous shows. But this week, there's a little bit more to discuss. We'll get a little bit more of an insight into Ben Simmons' situation at the moment. I've been really looking forward to giving you guys an update on that. It's been a story that a lot of people have wanted to touch on during this offseason. It's probably the story still of the NBA offseason. We've got an update. So we'll get to that in just a few moments. Also an update on the status of Mitchell Robinson. We'll touch on that at the start of the podcast. The latest debacle in Minnesota. We'll talk about that. And the Clippers with a name change? There's apparently There was apparently a thought about that. We'll get to that and a couple of other NBA stories later on. But first, an update on Mitchell Robinson's health. This actually just came out a few hours before we started recording the podcast. This is according to David Aldridge of The Athletic. Uh, just, just hearing David Aldridge's name just screams credibility to me. I've missed hearing that name a lot. In recent years, it's great to see that he's still doing his thing. And every time I see his name, I, I immediately want to read. So excited to see his name on this, obviously. Mitchell Robinson, obviously coming off of a broken foot. According to David Aldridge of The Athletic, is progressing, quote-unquote, fine. But will not be a full go when training camp starts. Small update, but an update that I think we needed. You know, a lot of the stuff coming out about Mitchell Robinson has been really positive. He's looked really good. He has been exciting to see, you know, the road to recovery. He's doing well, but he's still got a little ways to go. I guess that, you know, the Knicks and, and, and David Aldridge mentions this, want to be conservative about bringing him back. And obviously, that battle between him and Nerlens Noel, you know, you want to see Mitchell Robinson as close to full strength as possible. So if the Knicks don't feel that he's, you know, where he needs to be, the uh, they're going to let him do his thing. So I, I'm excited. I I just it's it's still positive. That that feels positive to me. The Knicks are going to you know take it kind of day by day with Mitchell Robinson, and I think that that's the right move. I, I think it's one of those things where. He's young, but you want to be careful. You want him to be a big part of this team for the upcoming season. You know, he's a better offensive option than Nerlens Noel is down low. So you'd, you'd like to have him adding that to his game. Obviously, a bigger aerial threat. You know, borrow a phrase from football a little bit. So I, I, I'm excited to see what he could do. And obviously, he's a great defender. So I'm, I'm just happy he's continuing to progress. It's, you know, again, a little update, but an update nonetheless. We'll see how he looks as we get closer and closer to the start of next season. But he's a big piece, potentially, on this team. I think people 
uh, are forgetting that to a certain extent. I think that happens a lot in sports. We forget about the guys that are coming back off of injuries, right? And because I get, you know, there's a little bit of trepidation. Is are they going to be the same? You know, I, I mean, I, I think there's people sleeping on the Nuggets a little bit because people forgetting that Jamal Murray is going to be back a little bit. So it's one of those things where. I, I'm curious to see, you know, with Mitchell Robinson, how he's going to look. But he's a young guy. Mitchell Robinson is still in the early years of his NBA career. You know what I mean? So, I, I again, he came out of college early. Mitchell Robinson is 23 years old. Just turned 23 back in April. He's got a long way to go. So, I, I'm excited to see what he's going to look like this season. And hopefully, he'll be at full strength for... A really good portion of it because the Knicks could really use him inside. So, so listen, we'll see how it goes, but it's nice to you know get a positive update on that front. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, obviously when you look at the Knicks' depth, that's a position where last year they they didn't have it as much without him in the lineup. It was a small problem, but it was a problem that you know the Knicks. I think it caught up with them a little bit in the postseason, dealing with Clint Capella down low, you know, just having Nerlens Noel there. And listen, Taj Gibson is still doing the job, but having Mitchell Robinson as part of that rotation makes the Knicks that much more dangerous. So it's it's just a, I, I, think, I think the report says it well. Just being conservative, making sure he's ready to go. He's at 100%. He's a young guy. You don't want this to be a lingering injury. And you want him to be fully healed for the upcoming season. It's a long season. So you want him to be ready to go and hopefully play as many games as he possibly can throughout the year. So good stuff there, and we'll wait and see what happens with Mitchell Robinson moving forward. Okay. I should have I should have came up with uh you know music for this. It, maybe it's a little insensitive. I don't know. We're talking about Ben Simmons again this week. Uh, the soap opera continues. Uh, I thought about getting soap opera music to play here. Maybe it's a little insensitive. It's it's people's lives we're talking about here. Probably, you know, it'd be funny maybe, but also part of me is like, eh, maybe a little too much. But it's still interesting as a neutral to talk about this. And the 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 latest thing here, essentially is that Doc Rivers was on Stupidity this week and uh, the Stu Gotts podcast, Levitard and Friends, and basically said that he wants Ben Simmons back, Joel Embiid wants Ben Simmons back, the whole team wants Ben Simmons back. He said, quote, we love to have him back. We want him back. I, I th- this this kind of surprised me a little bit. Now I'm not surprised that if he was going to talk publicly that he was going to say this, but I'm surprised he talked publicly, and in turn said this. I I, I don't understand what the point of this is. Um, the only thing I can think of that makes any sense is that it's not working out on the trade block and the Sixers aren't getting anywhere near what they were expecting to get for Ben Simmons and they're punting and they're punting and they're basically saying all right 
we're probably, it looks like unless a miracle happens, we're going to have to keep him. But Ben Simmons is not reporting to training camp. You know, he is not answering calls from teammates, apparently, and, and, and the organization. Although, apparently, Doc Rivers talked to him a couple of weeks ago, so maybe he is. I don't, I don't know. But this feels like too little too late. I think a lot of people have said that in the last few hours, uh, or I should say in the last day since this, uh, since this was released. I, it's the only thing I can think of. It's the only thing I can think of unless there's a huge, like, uh, what's the right word? Like a huge disconnect between the front office and the team where Doc Rivers and the players are saying, listen, we want to figure this out. We think he can stay here and win us a championship. And the front office is saying, no, 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 no. He's out of here. He wants out. We're letting him go. We're getting him out of here. So this is, oh, it doesn't get much worse than this because if the Sixers fail to trade Ben Simmons, and I've said this multiple times on this show, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what they're going to do. Because I don't think Ben Simmons is ever going to play in a Sixer uniform ever again. I just don't think that's going to happen. So then that that begs the question, what's going to happen to him if the Sixers can't trade him? Is he going to sit out the entire season? Is he going to play for them? That's definitely a possibility because he's got to, you would think... He's got to play at some point if the Sixers can't trade him. Because his trade value, as high as it is, is not going to be helped by the fact that he's sat out a year. That doesn't help anybody. Doesn't help the Sixers, doesn't help his former team, or his, his next team, doesn't help himself. Nothing, nothing, I should say this, nobody wins if Ben Simmons doesn't play next year. Nobody. Everybody loses. The Sixers lose. His next team loses. Ben Simmons himself loses. So something's got to give here. Either the Sixers lower their asking price, because apparently that's the issue. The Sixers want the moon and the stars. And teams are saying, for Ben Simmons, no thanks. And basically that has led the Sixers to say, oh bleep, what are we going to do? And this is, I, I, again, I, I, that's the only, like, there's only two explanations here. There's only two that I can think of, that I can think of, right? I mean, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts, as always, at SJ7 on Twitter, postingandtoasting.com, Shock Shock Knicks podcast in the comments section below. I am, I'm perplexed. I, I don't understand why Doc Rivers would come out and say, hey, I just talked with him. A couple weeks ago, it was a good conversation, from all accounts, and we want him back. We didn't, we didn't want him to leave. And that's the other thing. He clarified as well, I believe, that uh, when, when Doc Rivers was asked after the playoffs, you know, if, ben, if they could win a championship with Ben Simmons, and he said, I don't know, he kind of said, he said that because he didn't want to address that at the moment. He wanted to talk about the game, talk about the loss, stuff like that. Which, I mean, if, you know, I, I, I don't mind taking Doc Rivers at his word there as I stumble over my words. 
I don't mind taking him at his word. I don't. That makes some sense. You just went through a really frustrating series. It didn't go your way. You got upset by an upstart, excuse me, an upstart Hawks team. And the last thing on his mind was probably the future of Ben Simmons. He's, He's like, man, why did we lose? We should have beat them. And he's right. They were the much better team and lost. So I, I could totally see why that, you know, you could, you, could, you could argue, well, he's, you know, Ben Simmons was a the reason they lost. I'm sure he was thinking about that. He probably was, but he wasn't thinking about where he was going to end up next season. He's probably thinking, well, how do we fix that? It's what coaches do. So I, 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 give, I give Doc the benefit of the doubt on that. Maybe you don't. Fair enough. I do. That makes a little bit of sense. And then I come back to the other part. We want him back. Well, where was this two months ago? If you legitimately want him back, where was this in July? You know what I mean? <laughs> where, where, where was this in August? Where, where there was, it was rumor after rumor, trade after trade proposal. I mean, it was, it was nuts. Even the last, even like three weeks ago, we had a bunch of Ben Simmons stuff. Not a peep from the players or Doc Rivers about it, except for Joel Embiid's crazy tweets, which didn't exactly look great for, for their relationship. So I, I, I don't, I don't know if I buy that the Sixers players want him back i am a little more trepidatious on that one because of the timing and this feels very very much like well we're probably stuck with him so yeah we'd love to have him back yeah get him on over here i mean come on i i i'm just not buying that i i listen this is classic nba when something doesn't go your way, you got to accept that it's going to happen and you have to make the most of it, right? It's it's business. It's the sports business in particular. We see this happen quite a bit when stars aren't traded and they have to stay where they are. You got to let bygones be bygones a little bit. And I think that's what the Sixers are trying to do. And I think the players and the coaching staff are doing it first before the organization's likely going to have to do it. But I think the Sixers still have to, have to realize we, we got to get this done as well. I think the organization, this should also be a cue to them to say, we got to step up and get this deal done. We cannot let this linger and and let Ben Simmons come back. Let him come back after everything that's been said, after the rips on the fans, the rip on the organization, the ghosting of everybody in the organization by Ben Simmons, the not showing up to training camp, which is going to happen. Guys, I mean, this is... I, I And I've said this multiple times. The Sixers will rue the day they don't get this trade done. They will. They will rue the day. Because I don't see this getting better with Ben Simmons. This is my opinion now. Moving away from the reports a little bit. I I don't see this working. 
I don't think the Sixers, I'll answer Doc Rivers' question for him. No. The Sixers cannot win a championship with Ben Simmons as their point guard. They cannot. There is more than enough evidence. By the way, I didn't think they could when they got him. I didn't think he was the guy. It just didn't seem like it was going to work out unless he improved his jump shot and improved his free throw shooting, which he has not done. You could argue he's regressed in both of those categories because he has no confidence. He has no aggressiveness. He's so inconsistent with his attitude on the court. And there's times in the NBA and sports in general when an organization and a player just don't mix. And it's not going to happen with Philly. It's just not. And if the Sixers don't get this deal done, listen, they'll play well next year. They'll probably win 55, 60 games. But because they won't get anything back for Ben Simmons, I don't know if they're going to win a championship either way. The only way I think they do is if they get a big enough haul back where they get a point guard that can aggressively, consistently, and with some leadership run an offense. And, I don't know, take some shots? I was listening to uh, Amin El Hassan on the Levitard show, and I thought he summed it up really well. There's a difference in basketball between taking shots and missing shots and being afraid to even take the shot. Yes, both of them lead to a ba- to no basket. However, the 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 former is much better than the latter because at least you have a shot of making it. You're at least not afraid to take the shot. D- defenses have to respect the fact that you will take the shot. And Ben Simmons is so out of whack confidence-wise, he's not even willing to take the shots. I mean, we saw him pass up a dunk with Trey Young on him in the NBA playoffs. Trey Young is six foot nothing. Ben Simmons is basically seven feet tall. He's 6'10". That is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. I said it at the time. It still holds true. It's unacceptable. You cannot do that. You cannot do that. It's one thing for Ben Simmons to pass up a three. It's another for him to pass up the only shot in basketball he's good at. You can't do that. And frankly, it's the NBA. You can get somebody who will do it. Especially on a team like the Sixers that feel like they're still just a piece away from getting to an NBA championship. They are. They're right there. They are right there. And Ben Simmons is holding them back. There's really no debating that at this point. He is. So that's why I go back to the first point of this, which is, man, the Sixers better get this done. They better get this done. And even if Doc Rivers is telling the truth, even if the players are backing him and saying they want him back, doesn't matter doesn't matter get rid of him get him out he he's not it's too toxic he said too many of the wrong things and frankly 
he doesn't bring enough to the table to get the Sixers over the hump. And I think that there's too much of a sample size now to ignore that fact. He's not the man for the job in Philly. And Philly has got to find that man or suffer the consequences. That's what it comes down to. They either got to find the guy that's going to be Ben Simmons' replacement and then go on and win a championship with that man or they're going to suffer the consequences and the process is likely going to all be for naught. This is a, honestly, this is a franchise-defining move, in my opinion, for the Sixers. Franchise-defining. Figure this out or be prepared because the, the, the East is a lot better than when the process started and it's only going to get better from here on out with the likes of the Heat, the Knicks, the Bulls, potentially down the road, the Magic, all getting better. The Bucks aren't going away. The Nets aren't going away. Sixers better be very careful here. Very careful. The Celtics will be back as well, by the way. Not the, not next year, but they'll be back. Man, oh man, the Sixers better figure it out or they are in big, big trouble. I'm going to take a break there. When we come back, more NBA headlines and more just weird front office stuff going on in Minnesota. We'll talk on that and more coming up next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. All right, second half of the show. Man, Ben Simmons, it's it's just, it's so crazy what's going on with him. It, it blows my mind. It's a, it's a crazy, crazy thing. And, and again, before we move on, curious to hear your thoughts on it. And, you know, get your, if you want to get your Sixers friends to hop in the comments, if you want to get your, you know, your own thoughts to me as well, as always, at SJ7 on Twitter is the best place to reach me. Uh, you're more likely to have me comment on it there um but also posting and toasting.com shock shock Knicks podcast posts in the comments you can hit me up there as well and again i apologize i'm not always able to get to those i just again i've said this before i will say it again i i this is just the truth i'm not trying to rip anybody i'm not trying to be nasty or whatever i really just don't have a lot of time i've got a lot i've got work that i gotta do uh and it's just i it's just not, I, I just don't have time. I just don't have time. It's not high on the list of things I got to do. I always appreciate when you guys interact with me there. I just, it's more likely for me to, to, to see it on Twitter because I have Twitter on my phone. That's all it comes down to. So just because I got, you know, I'm still down in Florida, still doing my play-by-play work. Going to be doing that again when I go back up to the Northeast uh, late in the fall. So again, best place to reach me is on Twitter, but... I will still see it at some point if you hit me up. Postingandtoasting.com in the comments section under the Shock Shock Knicks podcast logo. So those are the places to let me know what you think about Ben Simmons and the Sixers situation, uh, about the topics we're about to discuss, and of course the Knicks first and foremost. So 
Let's start. Uh, we'll get to the Clippers' weird story in a second. I don't know where they were going with that. We'll touch on the Steve Ballmer stuff in a second. Um, and the, I, I forgot that I even had this on my uh, rundown here. We'll get to the the unvaccinated players situation as well. And apparently uh, there's a notable guy in there as well. So we'll touch on that in just a few moments as well. Uh, but first we start with the Timberwolves. And this just happened again uh, within the last 24 hours, I believe. Um, happened, uh, yeah, actually from the time I'm recording this, late afternoon on a Friday, happened literally 24 hours ago. Um, the Timberwolves have fired Jerson Rosas over dysfunctional front office and relationship with a team staffer, per reports. That's a mouthful. Uh, Rosas was hired in May of 2019, um, and the Timberwolves have parted with the president of basketball operations. Um, the club have promoted uh, executive vice president of basketball operations, uh, Sachin Gupta. I apologize if I mispronounced that, to the role of interim head of basketball operations. Uh, Glenn Taylor uh, was the one who released the statement, the owner of the Timberwolves, although I think A Rod now also owns a big chunk of the Timberwolves as well. So, um, very, very vanilla statement. I'm not going to read it. Carl uh, Anthony Towns uh, <laughs> tweeted out, uh, WTF, three dots, uh, <laughs> after he heard the news. So, uh, all right. So, apparently, The Athletic, multiple sources uh, told The Athletic, essentially, that there are multiple factors. Um, Rosas reportedly ran a front office in Minnesota that was described, quote-unquote, as dysfunctional and full of tension. Also in the report, it adds that there was an ongoing rift between Rosas and Gupta, who was taking over as the interim uh, president of basketball operations. So, And again, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing his name. Um, essentially, uh, Rosas blocked a lateral move to the, to the Houston Rockets with increased pay ahead of the draft this summer for Gupta. And additionally, other rival executives and agents didn't appreciate his negotiation tactics in general. Again, this is all from The Athletic, um, John Krasinski, and Shams. So, man, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot happening here with this story. Um... Apparently, the ownership also heard a lot of staffers express concern with the way Rosas conducted his business, according to The Athletic, and came to the conclusion that there was no longer a way to address the situation without firing him. Um, dysfunctional was the word that's probably used the most in this story. There's a lot of that. The second most used word is probably tension. That's not a great environment to be working in like anybody that's been in those situations uh it's not fun and apparently not many people have nice things to say about Rosas so it, this is a this is a wild wild story here 
Um, the other part of this that that is worth mentioning that really got me a uh, little fired up here was the Timberwolves also found out recently that Rosas had a consensual relationship with a team staff member. And the two were spotted together in a suite during a Minnesota United FC game, that's the MLS, soccer, at Allianz Field. Allianz Field, I should say, according to the, according to Jake Flesher of Bleacher Report. And again, I apologize if I mispronounced that. So apparently the relationship made other people, according to the report, uncomfortable. And wasn't the sole reason he was fired, but it apparently did have an impact on when they were going to fire him because apparently the ownership thought, well, let's let's push this on the back burner. We'll we'll deal with him later. We'll probably have to fire him, but we'll deal with him later. And then they found out about this and they said, yeah, let's fire him. Basically, it's kind of how that worked out. And man, oh man, it just seems like this kind of stuff tends to happen with bad organizations. Um, the Timberwolves have been in the rut for a long time now it feels like or at least in and out of the rut for a long long time I I was I was looking at I was looking at their last few seasons uh a couple hours before I uh did this podcast and by the way I I also saw that weird picture of Alex Rodriguez wearing a Timberwolves uh quarter zip just it just looks weird. I, I it's such a weird photo. I don't even know why they take pictures of the owners in these uh, situations. But um, but yeah, when when you look at the Timberwolves uh, record, just the I mean, obviously this past year they were awful, right? I mean that that's that's a given. Um, but you just I was just looking at this earlier today they won 23 games last season and the year before that again this these were uh the last two seasons obviously ryan saunders was the coach um they won 19 games in 2019 20 they won uh now we're going into the tom tom uh, thibodeau era they won 36 games between thibodeau and saunders in 2018-19 they made the playoffs in 2017-18 under Tibbs. They went 47-35. and 35. They lost in the first round. Other than that, other than that 2017-2018 season, again, Tibbs went through the tough year. The year before, they won 31 games. He got them to the playoffs. Then they got off to a relatively slow start, and they fired him. So putting that season out of it, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. 15 of the last 16 seasons. The Minnesota Timberwolves have been below 500 in most seasons, well below 500. 2014-15, they won 16 games under Flip Saunders. 2010-2011, they won 17 games under Kurt Rambis. They won 15 games under Kurt Rambis. The year before that. It, it, and obviously they won 19 games two seasons ago under Ryan Saunders. I mean, this is embarrassing. It's as bad as it gets. Almost two decades. 
almost two decades of under and sometimes well under 500 basketball. Since 2004, 2005, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 of 16 seasons. I almost had a a double check. Had a double check to make sure my number was right there. 15 of the last 16 seasons, the Minnesota Timberwolves have been below 500. And most of those seasons, it hasn't even been close. Not even close. I'm not going to go back, but I would say close to half of those 15, we're talking 20 games under 500. Really bad. 18 to 20 games under 500 most most of those years, if not worse. That's pathetic. Pathetic. You know, since since the since those Kevin Garnett teams under Flip Saunders where they were consistently going to the playoffs and then it culminated with that 58-win team in 2003-2004, they went to the conference finals, and they lost. Since then, I, I mean, it's just been a nightmare. It's been a nightmare. You know, I, I mean, they've and they've had a ton of uh, Dwayne Casey for two years. Uh, was it Randy Whitman after that for a couple of seasons? Kurt Rambis, Rick Adelman. Flip Saunders, again, Sam Mitchell for a season, Tibbs for three, two and a half, I guess you could say, Saunders for, I guess Ryan Saunders ended up being half a year, a year, I guess basically two seasons, because he came in midway through 2018-19, had a full season, then then under his tutelage, they started 7-24 last season, 7-24! And then they moved on and they finished 16 and 25 under Chris Finch. And that, and here, here we are. And <laughs> here we are. It's unbelievable. It, it really is. And it just shows you, even in the last few years, but really overall, the Timberwolves have just been a mess. They've just been a mess. But the recent stuff here that we've discussed, I mean, it, it's it's just a culmination of 15 years really 16, 15 of them, just of awful basketball in Minnesota. And honestly, with what Tibbs has done with the Knicks, they were crazy to let him go. Crazy to let him go with the team that they had. Crazy to let him go. But it's the NBA. You make your choices, and the Timberwolves are going to have to live with that one, it feels like, for some time. Crazy stuff. And obviously the, the the staffers being uncomfortable with certain relationships that Rosas had and him having a relationship with a staffer. I mean, not just dysfunctional, not just, you know, uncomfortable, but unprofessional as well. Just, I mean, it, it's ridiculous. You can't handle business like that and then do something like that as well on top of it. You don't have the right. It's it's extremely uncomfortable with that kind of a situation. So really tough to see, and hopefully the Timberwolves fans are going to be able to get through this. But man, oh man, just another another dagger to hearts of Timberwolves fans here and stuff like that. I'm sure it's just it's brutal. 
It's brutal. Knicks fans have been there to a certain extent. I know I feel for you a little bit. Man, oh man. That is just really, really, really crazy stuff. Okay. Two quick notes before we get out of here. First, on the unvaccinated players front, according to reports, Andrew Wiggins of the Golden State Warriors remains unvaccinated and that has created uncertainty over his availability for the upcoming season. Um, and it kind of let it, let me down a rabbit hole a little bit. And, and by the way, that's a report from Rusty Simmons of the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, he might not be available for home games at the start of the season. I think people are forgetting, obviously the Knicks, the Nets and the Warriors have come out and said that, you know, if you're not vaccinated, you can't play at our arena. So, but apparently there's still unvaccinated players that won't budge. Um, uh, I believe um, I'm looking through some Fox sports reports at the moment, but uh, apparently there's still teams that are, you know, they're trying to get certain unvaccinated players to get the vaccine. Um, apparently it's not working. Unvaccinated players are still not budging. Um, other staff members around the NBA have told Fox sports, we tried everything. None of it mattered. They're not able to persuade anybody that's not vaccinated at the moment to get the vaccine. Uh, this has happened in the NFL, pretty notably with Cole Beasley. I believe we mentioned that on the show. If not, uh, I probably should have, um, there's multiple, multiple guys. I think Kirk Cousins is another who uh, has said he will not get vaccinated. It's a really troubling thing. It's a really troubling thing. It's unnecessary, in my opinion. You're only hurting your teammates by doing that, and you're hurting yourself as well, and the people around you. It's and you guys know my thoughts on it, and um, I, I don't, I don't hesitate to say them on this show. I think that. Uh, you should be vaccinated if you can get it safely, um, which is pretty much everybody. Um, I think anything that, you know, has said that, you know, anyone that said the, the vaccination doesn't work. I mean, there's been very rare moments when it hasn't, but for the vast, vast majority of people, it works. It just does. There's no disputing that. And, you know, it doesn't matter how good a shape you're in or if your age is, you know, well under the, the at-risk age for COVID-19, you should still get the vaccination, whether it's for you or for the people around you, your loved ones. Now, I, I you know, people have already sent stuff to me and my family about, you know, what are we going to do for Thanksgiving this year? And, you know, luckily one of the places that's been suggested, you know, the people there are vaccinated in my family. You know, that's the stuff you still got to think about. You know, your family as well. You've got to think about these things. And for NBA players, for NFL players, for sports players in general, your family is your teammates. Your family is your organization. You got to think about these things, man. And anybody that's not getting the vaccine right now, I, I hope is, is punished to a certain extent. I'm not saying fines or anything like that, but you should not be allowed to play. You know, and if that leads to a fine, well, then that's on you. That's on you at that point. You know, this is, this is too serious to just sweep this under the rug. And anybody, doesn't matter the sport, especially, by the way, you know, the NBA, it's indoors as well. 
The NFL, again, regardless, you should still get it. But at least there's some outdoor venues in the NFL where you have a better chance of being safe. But NBA, it's all indoors. It's where the it's where we first, a lot of us first heard of COVID nineteen on a real on a real scale when Rudy Gobert and the Utah Jazz tested positive and the NBA shut down and did what they had to do, and really were the forefront of you know figuring this whole thing out at the start. So it's it's really it's really disheartening to see this. And again, it's not just the NBA. There's other sports where this has been a problem, but the NBA is at the center of this because we're getting to the upcoming season. They were at the forefront of the pandemic before it even started, really, before we knew about it, I should say, on a wide scale. And to see that there are players that are still not vaccinated is frankly ridiculous, in my opinion. So that, that's my two cents on it. Uh, if you want to, if you want to disagree with me again, feel free. But I, I just don't, I don't, I don't get it. I, I just don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and if it makes sense to you, I, I think you should get educated because there's too much info that backs up my point. That's where I'll leave it. So, on a lighter note, to finish things off, uh, apparently Steve Ballmer. Uh, thought about changing the Clippers name. I feel like I feel like this might have been talked about before. Um, I, I only because I, I believe in the past. Obviously, the Clippers changed their logo around the time. I believe when Steve Ballmer originally took over the team. I believe that was his doing. So, like this, this kind of stuff has been in the works. I, I don't know. Like it's. I, I, I'm not totally surprised by this. I guess my, my, I always get, again, I'm trying to find my words here. Sorry about that. But it's one of those things where like, I wondered what would they change it to? And I got interested in the story. What would the Clippers be? Um, but Baller basically said, quote, uh, this was with the LA times an interview recently said, quote, I thought about it. You've got to think about it. Uh, when I first got the team, I thought about it in a sense, you know, is the brand tarnished, but the brand is better known because it is tarnished, but is it tarnished? So basically, you know, does he want, did he want to redo it to get people, you know, re-energized in a different way? He said, what if the, he said, what if the Clippers don't win a championship by the time we move into the, into it dome, the Clippers don't win a championship by 2024, then it may be time to truly revisit a name change again. Um, I, Again, the Clippers, I guess, you know, obviously are looking for their own venue, but also will they rebrand if they don't win a championship? I don't think that's a reason to rebrand, in my opinion, but then again, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. That's just my two cents, <laughs> you know? I think LA Clippers fans would rather have them win a championship as the Clippers instead of as the LA Stars, Kings, whatever. Oh, they can't be the Kings, but you know what I mean. If they change their name... Uh, the LA traffic, no, but it's one of those things where like, if they were to change it, I think, I think that'd be a bummer for a lot of Clippers fans who are used to it. But then again, and you know, it is what it is, but uh, at least, you know, at least they're not Washington and they can't even come up with a name, but in the, in the football team, but I don't know. It's just a little bit of an interesting story and uh, we'll see if they end up doing it, but that, that'll be for down the road at the end of the day. So we'll see how that goes, but uh, in the meantime, they stay the Clippers in L.A. 
All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. Thank you guys as always for listening. It really means a lot. You guys have continued to listen a lot, even during shows where I've said, you know, there's not a ton to talk about. I really appreciate the loyalty and your listenership. It means a ton to me. You guys have been so committed from day one to this show, and it means a lot to be able to have the interactions with you guys, to be able to see that you're listening week in and week out, no matter what we're talking about. Uh, It's a really, really cool thing, and it means a lot. So thank you to you guys. Hope you're staying safe. Hope you're well. And until next time, have a great week, and I will see you guys next week on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting podcast. Network. Have a good one, everybody.